Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, June 14th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Israel's Benjamin Netanyahu is out of power. South Korean shipbuilders are set to float, on the public markets, that is, and G7 leaders agree to counter China's global influence. Plus, the FT's James King reports on Chinese companies marketing surveillance and smart city technology around the world and why it's sparking fear. Because cities will depend on this type of technology, it could be possible for these Chinese companies to shut down a huge part of the operation of a city. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Israel's parliament voted in a new government yesterday. This broad coalition was cobbled together with the sole purpose of ousting Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's longest-serving prime minister, and it did. Netanyahu is out of power for the first time in 12 years. The new government is led by ultra-nationalist Naftali Bennett, and it's the first time a Zionist government will share power with an Arab party. The FT's Mehul Srivastava says since the coalition only has a one-seat majority, it'll avoid the most divisive issues. So you're looking at a government that's going to focus on the economy, it's going to focus on a few things that need to be fixed right away, including passing a budget. But in terms of the controversial things, you know, what to do with the Palestinian issue, what to do with uh, separation of uh, religion and state, those things are going to be left alone for a while. That's the FT's Jerusalem correspondent, Mehul Srivastava. As big economies emerge from the pandemic, global commerce is recovering more quickly than expected. That means more shipping, and South Korea's shipbuilders and sea freight companies are enjoying a surge in orders and rising freight rates. In fact, they're enjoying their best year in over a decade. Now, they plan to raise billions of dollars through IPOs. The FT reports that Hyundai Heavy Industries and the cargo groups H-Line Shipping and SM Line plan to raise a little more than $3 billion in listings. They'll use the proceeds to develop eco-friendly vessels and to expand low-carbon production facilities to meet stricter regulations. G7 leaders this past weekend agreed to support plans to counter China's influence. Leaders of the group of wealthy democracies said they'll support an initiative led by U.S. President Joe Biden to create a green global infrastructure spending program. It would rival China's Belt and Road Initiative. China has spent heavily on infrastructure projects in other countries to boost its global influence. The G7's greener alternative was short on detail and left some people disappointed, as the FT Leslie Hook reports. A lot of climate advocates, climate activists were hoping that the G7 leaders would come up with something a bit more, hoping that they would come up with more money and some more specific commitments. And that that message from the G7 that they're all going to spend more money on this, they're all unified, would have been perhaps a bit more encouraging to other countries that are trying to figure out what they're going to do, how much climate finance they're going to give between now and COP26 in Glasgow in November. COP26 is, of course, the next United Nations climate change conference. Leslie also mentioned some other climate pledges that came out of this G7 summit this past weekend. G7 leaders also had a big consensus on coal, on ending public finance for international coal projects. That was a big step forward. They've also pledged to work 
towards uh, ending petrol and diesel vehicles and to cut emissions to net zero by 2050. Um, individual countries also did make climate finance commitments. We saw Germany say it would raise its level of climate funding to 6 billion euros per year. And Canada said it would double its climate funding within the next four years. Um, so we have seen some new money on the table. Leslie Hook is the FT's environment and clean energy correspondent. Chinese companies have been marketing smart city technology to governments around the world. They sell video surveillance and facial recognition technology to local officials as a way to make cities safer and more efficient. But critics say it could make citizens vulnerable to cyber attacks and digital authoritarianism. Our global China editor, James King, joins me now to talk more about this. James, briefly, where is this technology being used? I would say about half of the of the capitals in Europe have these. London has them. They're in Spain. They're in Italy. They were in the States. I'm not quite sure whether any remain now. They're all over Asia. Uh, Southeast Asia is actually uh, has the biggest concentration of the safe city and smart city installations. And the Middle East has got a lot too. And as you report these safe city technologies are largely ones that automate policing, right? Safe city is basically using Chinese video cameras and other forms of artificial intelligence to automate the policing of a city and a society. So that's mostly using video cameras, uh, facial recognition, but there are clever things built into it. So these uh, systems can, for instance, decide whether somebody looks suspicious. The other side of things is what's called smart cities, and that is using, again, this, this form of automation and artificial intelligence to automate the key functions of a city. So things like traffic control, uh, garbage collection, water and power supply, and several other things like that. So James, for your recent article about this, you spoke to intelligence officials, local city officials, and people in the industry really all around the world. Um, and what did you find out about their key fears when it comes to this? Uh, what they zeroed in on was there are two big risks here. One is that the Chinese vendor of the equipment will be able to access the data that's being collected. So they can access, you know, not only images of, of, of let's say, a central square in, in some European capital, but also the actual faces and the identities of the people in the square and car license plates and all kinds of, of very private information. And thereafter, it is possible, according to the sources that we spoke to, that these companies will then send that data or could send that data back to China's security state. So James, is it only Chinese companies making this technology? There are other competitors, uh, but China is certainly the dominant force in this technology. I believe that China was the first to develop it. And the adoption of this type of technology around the world is now accelerating, according to the data that we received from RWR advisory in Washington. 
So uh, this is very much a live issue now. This is really new news. Um, a lot of cities around the world installing this type of uh, safe city and smart city technology to automate their city functions and their policing functions. So uh, it's, it's, it's really a, a, a big deal right now. So, James, we should mention that Chinese companies largely deny a lot of these allegations. They, they said they just supply the equipment and the city runs it and that China doesn't use the data. But you report that some countries have become worried enough to stop using the technology anyway, right? What we're seeing now is quite a considerable backlash underway in several of these countries and cities around the world. In the Serbian capital, Belgrade, for instance, where the Chinese company Huawei has been contracted to install more than 8,000 of these surveillance cameras, we're seeing several civil society and non-governmental organizations now really criticizing uh, the government's program of installing all of these cameras. In the UK, there's been a couple of cities which had done deals with Chinese companies to install surveillance cameras, and those deals have either been aborted at the last minute or cancelled outright. And the last place I'd mention is Taiwan. A city official in Taipei that we quote in the article said that the policy in Taiwan these days is not to use made-in-China equipment at all in any of these safe city and smart city functions. And the reason that he gave was because of concerns that uh, the Chinese security state would get its hands on the data and also that if they were running, you know, key functions of Taipei City and other cities in Taiwan, then they could use that leverage for, for other political purposes. James King is our global China editor. Thanks, James. Thank you, Mark. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.